Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anfield Index Pro to hear the wit and wisdom of my friend and yours, Mr. Jan Malby. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Trevor. Uh, it's been a week, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been an odd week. There's a lot to talk about. I wonder at this stage if you even feel like talking about it. I know a lot of people have exhaustion around the topic of the disaster that was last Sunday's game against Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, but we should just touch on it before we get to a more recent game from last night that we can maybe uh, enjoy talking about a little bit more in terms of the result. Uh, the way it fell out over the course of the week, people are going to be curious to hear where you landed with it. I've just read, sorry, seen an interview with Pep Guardiola where he was asked what he he thought about Jürgen's uh, demand for a replay. Obviously, that's horseshit in and of itself, and we'll get to that, Jan. Um, but like almost everybody else, it would appear Guardiola, when offered a chance to possibly take a stand for football as opposed to um, seeing it as being just for Liverpool, went the predictable tribal way and just said, well, you know, it's a mistake, accept it, get past it, hopefully we'll improve from here, and so on and so forth. Uh, I find all this very disingenuous. Immediately afterwards, and I just want to tee you up for this because I really need to get get where you're at on this. Immediately afterwards, we saw the likes of Gary Neville talking about what a horrendous decision it was and and so on and so forth. But when the dust settled and people realized, oh, we can't have too much damage here. It was all damage limitation comments and it was all who, who, what do you want to replay or something? And then just when we thought it was safe to come out of the woods, Jürgen talks about a replay and says it would be his preferred option. But it's a huge, big interview in which it's far more complex than that. And he doesn't demand anything of the sort. And in fact, he says it's not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. So there's a lot there. But I thought the most interesting thing of all of it, Jan, was the way that people seem to shoot themselves in the foot. And rather than back Liverpool and Jurgen and our cause here as a united football thing where we could possibly make some kind of changes for the better, people just went tribal. It's very depressing, isn't it? Yeah, it was actually. Uh, and I did, I mean, it, it obviously took a, 
a, a while before we got to where we eventually got to. But I, I was at the game, uh, Tottenham versus Liverpool. I was commentating on the game. Uh, and you know, when you're commentating, obviously you can't keep going back to it because the game moves on. But we see in real time, I see the situation. And I think I can just see Diaz has nipped in front of Petro Porro. So this is going to be tight, yeah? That's the guy he's next to, essentially. Uh, and obviously, the pictures show that he's ahead of Porro, but then Romero's foot is there. And I just went, during commentary, I went, he's onside. And before you can blink, the game is restarted and no goal has been awarded. So as a commentator, you think, am I, am I, am I losing my mind here? What, what actually just happened there? But then you think, well, okay, they'll have a better angle. We've seen that before. You know, this is not the angle that we... So they've got a better angle. Uh, but then obviously we get to half-time and we mention it yet again and we mention the student in Copenhagen. And then we do a little bit of... My, my, my mate does a little bit on social media and you realise uh, this is this is getting quite big, isn't it? And then the second half we mention it again and, you know, we we, we, came, we, we keep saying to the commentaries that we feel that this is going to turn into a massive story without knowing... And of course, it doesn't turn into a massive story till after the game. I go down the touchline and there's the, the guy and he says, yeah, and off the record, he said, PGMOL uh, is, is going to release an apology. And then you realise this is an almighty fuck-up, isn't it? Uh, and he was just... So what you're saying to me, Trevor, is that it's unbelievable that football fans can't look at that and go, this is not a Liverpool matter. You know, this is something that we've never seen before. This is something that should never happen. There is people that subsequently has praised the PGMOL for the actions and the fact that they straight away took ownership of this shit show that they created. I, I struggle to be able to buy that term. I just, apart, you know, people go since Howard Webb, we got apologies and, uh, I mean, are you fucking, t- did I just swear that? Are you telling me, Trevor? Are you telling me, Trevor? that when we heard the audio, are you telling me now that Howard Webb listens to his officials talk in that manner to make them decisions? And he has not picked them up on that. You know, if, if that would have been an organization, I was part of would have gone, listen, whoa, 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 whoa. This, this is not, we can't talk to each other like that. Let's talk to each other in a language that we all understand and one at a time speaks. So Trevor, you chair the VAR and you go, we're now looking at offside, whatever it is, and then we go from there. And unless you disagree with anything Trevor says, keep your fucking mouth shut. But they're all talking over each other and going this and that and what about this and what about that? And this fucking, they think, they think, they're, uh, think they're secret agencies, you know, the way they talk. On-field decision, you know, fuck, just talk. What are we looking at? The linesman's give upside. That's a language we can all understand. It's a language we can't misunderstand, yeah? The linesman is gift offside. Never mind on-field decision. Stick with on-field decision. Complete. Uh, check complete. You know, no. Just talk in proper English. The linesman's given offside. We're not going to look whether we confirm it's offside or not, and we take it from there, you know. And the fact that we had to have these guys who control the hub, uh, the uh, VAR hub, who had to interfere and go, I mean, how many times did that poor lad say, Delay, delay. Ollie says delay, delay, mm. delay. And they're mm. just talking as if you sit in the pub and you're doing 
you know, you sit in the pub, Trevor, and everybody's talking over each other. And you go, what were we talking about there? I don't know. <laughs> you know it's, it's like that, isn't it? Like, so, yeah, honest to God, Trevor, it's, you know, it, it takes a lot because I always try and find a reason of how we can explain the decisions that people make, you know. So a lot of things that come out after, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the red cards and the two yellows and all that. Uh, and also the fact that they failed to stop the game. Now, I understand all that because that's where the laws are wrong. You know, we, that, that's in black and white and the laws are wrong. We said that for a long time, Trevor. Never mind VAR, never mind the officials. The laws are wrong, you know, uh, so we need to do something about that. But I cannot for my life work out. I, I think if I'd have been in that VAR room, Trevor, yeah, and understanding what you've just been part of, and within five seconds of that, you knew it was wrong. And I gone, Simon Uber, I don't give a fuck. Stop the game. Yeah. And the water goes to Liverpool within five or ten seconds. I know people go, you can't. I, you know, you can. It would have been against. But you can't. I just, if there ever was an incident where you kind of go, wow. So, I drove well, home. Sorry, Trevor, just to finish up, I drove home because it was trains were on strike, weren't and it? So it made an even more miserable day for Liverpool fans, and I drove home, didn't I? And I, I listened to a radio station called Smooth Air UK, and but she just didn't want to talk about it. And the wife's not going, she's going, I can't, you know, it's like, because this is like something you, you wish it to go away, isn't it? You yeah. know, I want to wake up Sunday morning and go, yeah, but it's all been sorted now, it's all been dealt with, isn't it? You know, but it's just, it just never stops. So, as I said before, Trevor, it's, it's very unusual, isn't it? But the fact that people didn't get it, you know, what a almighty mess they made of that. It's just really is beyond me, beyond me. Some of the specifics, and you mentioned one in there that I found very, very interesting. The line that I found the most depressing was uh, England kept going, can't do anything can't do anything and you're talking about well okay that's the laws of the game and we have to accept that and whether it is or not you have to remember that there are provisos in the game for example say there's a penalty and someone acts the bollocks and goes into the area the penalty would be retaken say there's a corners push pushing and shoving the corner will be retaken why can they not restart a game it, it, it's absolutely insane that you're sitting on this information that you know is going to be an absolute shit show like you say that they know it's going to blow up in everybody's face and instead of admitting their mistake and, and and intervening they don't do it so that is a level of frustration the next level then is as you say once it's all over and the sickening result happened the way it did with Joel's own goal at the end when, I don't know about you, but I was incredibly proud of those lads. I thought the shift they put in was remarkable and not just effort. It was canny football. It was good, clever play um, by good, clever professionals retaining possession and doing things sensibly and defending with real skill, like the kind of the level of defending that we've been hoping to see on a regular basis and happened for too much of the last two seasons. All of that comes together then the next day when you see this blatant tribalism everywhere and nobody wants to talk about what actually happened. They want to misquote the manager. And he's the only one who seems to be acting in the media. He's the only one who seems to be acting like an adult. Um, 
around the whole thing. He doesn't throw his toys out of the pram. It's very measured, his response, Jan. Um, and I just found it disappointing that lads who are currently trading off being, you know, sort of a real diamond in the rough type, like Ange Postacoglu, right? A guy who's got this reputation of being just a proper, decent fella, you know, just a good lad, you know. He gets stuff. He's a decent man. He comes out, he's spouting the same shit because it suits his cause. And it, it was an opportunity for him to say, yeah, we need to do something about this. I'm with Jurgen on this one. But he doesn't do it. Maybe he's got too much, too many shares in it, but surely someone could have come out in football and made the right kind of sounds. But it wasn't just people in football, yeah? It was the broadsheet journalists, the guys who are supposed to be the eggheads of football analysis, who proved themselves, without a doubt, all of them across the board, to be the exact opposite. They were coming out with nonsense and quoting things that didn't happen. So... It does leave you, and I wonder could this work for us, Jan, with a bit of a siege mentality. Like, it doesn't. It's not good to think everybody's against us, and it does. It does lead towards conspiracy theory thinking, uh, which is very much demonised, and people don't want to think about that. I think there's something to it myself, but not in the way that people are are suggesting. But it might just help, sort of galvanise our lot a little bit. Maybe that's the only thing we can think out of it, because to me, the fact that we didn't walk away with it with at least a point is pretty disgusting, especially in a league where it looks like it, it might be that tight at the end of the season yet, a point. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, uh, somebody asked me after the game or whatever. It was, it was a media outlet who asked me and, and, and said, how do I think Liverpool react after this? And I said, I think this is an easy one to react because of what has happened, isn't it? And because of the way that the lads played. You know, I can't see how this can be, be, be viewed as a negative in any way, shape or form. Uh, Jurgen Klopp will be in that dressing room now telling the players how unbelievably proud he is of them. You know, and then when you talk it through, Trevor, we have, we have the first red card, Curtis Jones. So I go 11 against 10. We've seen that before. We can do that. And a lot of clubs, I did when I was a manager, you prepare your team to sometimes get used to playing with 10 men. But of course, when we had the second set off, we went down to nine. I went, well, this is a bigger problem because I don't think many teams will practice playing 11 against nine, would they? Uh, you, you'd be, that's the kind of scenario you never really see, isn't it? But when it was 11 against 10 or 11 against nine, we were superb. You know, absolutely superb. And, you know, yes, uh, but this was against a good Tottenham side, you know what I mean? So uh, there's so many positives to come out of this. 
uh, from, from Liverpool's point of view, isn't it? Uh, but, but you're absolutely right in that the amount of people that were falling over themselves, you know, to, to, to try and call and, and, you know, call Liverpool entitled and, you know, the, the, and, and, and this thing about the replay, isn't it? When that blew up, uh, I, I couldn't believe people are telling me Klopp's demanded a replay and I just read what he said and I went, he's never said that. You know, it's, all you have to do is listen. But it's like, it's the world we live in. People don't watch either, do they? Watch the fucking game. You know, people don't watch, they just hear things and they don't read, they don't listen, they don't noise with the death. Just listen to what Klopp said. And I even think Klopp said, you know, I'm not saying this as a Liverpool manager, I'm saying this as a football man. The correct outcome after this would be a replay. And then he went, ah, but I know it'll never happen. Yeah. You know, Klopp demands. Chris Sutton comes out and everybody else jumps all over his fucking back and goes entitled and cheeky and, you know, how dare he ask for a replay? Well, he never did. He just, he talked it through like Klopp is very good at, talking through a question that's put to him and seeing both sides of it, you know, and, and that's what he did, wasn't he, you know? Uh, remarkable. It's been a remarkable week, Trevor, to be fair. Unbelievable. And this thing about, this another thing, Trevor, you know, we, we, we will learn from this, you know what I mean? Oh, I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ. If, if what we heard on the audio, and there was nothing on that audio in terms of conspiracy, nothing, it was just incompetence at a fucking level you can't believe yeah absolutely Olympic levels of incompetence and why would we believe that that's going to change and the very fact that there seems to be uh, some sort of praise for them and that they themselves seem to think they've done an, an almighty thing by revealing this uh, information uh, in the interests of, of of transparency that to me just says it all the fact that oh the best one Jan and, and we should probably just have a look at this for a second because this is what feeds into people believing that there is at least some sort of a bias amongst some of them whether it's a coordinated thing or not it's just that you look at the officials that Liverpool regularly get, and some a, a guy called Paul Tompkins has done incredible work putting together the refereeing performances and stats around Liverpool and the rest of the other the big four, Chelsea, United, and City over the last few years. And Liverpool, you won't be surprised to hear, get the shit end of the stick. And Liverpool have the same amount of the same type of officials on a regular basis. And it doesn't seem to matter that you know Constantine Hatzidakis and his pal in the middle, uh, you know, elbowing players and giving stupid decisions. It doesn't matter because next week they're on VAR for Liverpool. We saw this thing, and to me, it was just enough of an annoyance to really annoy me. Uh, to a level I wasn't expecting, where they took Darren England aside and told him, you won't be doing any more Liverpool games. It was like a little sop to Liverpool. You see now, you think there's some big conspiracy against you. We're going to take England off your games. Well, all that does is say to me that he must have an issue with Liverpool or that he has, they're admitting that such a concept could exist because it would have been more, less insulting and less, I think, sort of throwing people's minds into a spin if they had just left England in the circulation and pull him. He, he gets a championship game like everybody else next week because, you know, ball boy. And then they just go around. Oh, why couldn't they have defended England and said, look, well, he stuck to the rules. What do you want him to do? But yeah. this thing of he doesn't do any more Liverpool games. What the fuck is that, Jan? 
Yeah, no, it's it, it, it's absolutely spot on, isn't it? So, uh, and you talk about this this boy Paul Tompkins, and, I, and I've heard of him, and uh, I think this thing about the referees will come to somewhere. Uh, and it, it, I find myself in a similar position in that I commentate on football, and I'm unbiased. Or, you know, I'm not, am I? You know, and it's the same with referees, and you go, I'm unbiased. I don't have any issues with any club, any team, any part of the country, whatever, but we all have something, don't we? You know, so so when I tell everybody I'm unbiased, you know, I fully understand when some fans pull me and they go, you're biased towards Liverpool or whatever, and I kind of go, you know. So it's a bit the same with the ref- referees, isn't it? Is that, you know, most of them will have, I don't know whether beef is the right word, but most of them will have something and an issue. And, you know, I even heard referees who, go back and refereed in my time or whatever and they said there were certain players you know now already isn't it when you're going into a referee game and you're going there's certain players well already you know you're biased aren't you because I'm now going into a referee game between 22 professional footballers but I don't like that guy so already you're biased aren't you so it is an issue isn't it I think it got it got sort of uh, warped a bit by people thinking that some people were saying it was a thing that the referees had a bias against Liverpool Football Club. Um, they may well do. Who the hell knows? But what they clearly do have is a bee in their bonnet, I think, with Jurgen Klopp. I think he's annoyed the piss out of several people over the years. He is constantly in the ear of the fourth official. And Jurgen is a very, very shouty man on the sideline. And I think he has a lot less goodwill than bad will from a certain amount of these and I think these guys we heard from uh, the lad who had just left and dropped a, an awful almighty clangor when he started talking about how you know they're basically a gang who protect each other uh, you look out for your mates so whatever the quote was um, we know that they will circle the wagons then so I think that's probably the issue. I think it's the the Kloppo might be reaping what he's sown over the years in terms of giving earfuls to certain fellas. And it, it, again, it's just it's a human thing, like you said, that referee, um, nominal referee from the past, who's saying, "Yeah, well, I'm, I'm unbiased, but that guy, he fucking winds me up." Kloppo winds people up. He just does, and I think that possibly is part of the issue. But it shouldn't be, is the thing. It shouldn't be. And we're back round full circle to this whole idea of should they be uh, an independent body who are doing the VAR thing from the PGMOL? And I think that's clearly what it should be. It, it's, 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 almost, it's almost embarrassingly simple as a fix, but they just won't do it. They won't think about it. It's not being discussed. I just wanted to touch on that because you will have been aware that... Um, ex-Palace owner Simon Jordan on his uh, talk sport uh, platform, which, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Some people listen to it. Most people avoid it like the plague. But he did come out with a quote around the victim culture. Um, And that's the kind of thing that really fuels the fire and makes Liverpool fans think, fucking hang on a minute here. That is bang out of order. That's a racial sort of, well, cultural stereotype that you're leaning into there, which is so offensive that uh, you don't even know where to start with it. 
And it that shit like that muddies the water. And then if you thought that that was just a one off, all you got to do is see the amount of absolute imbeciles by the tens of thousands on the social media. Absolutely jumping on that bag wagon, scousers, victims, always the victims, stuff like that. And it really does muddy the water. I think it leads, Jan, doesn't it? And you'll know this from personal experience, having been in the heart of the city for so long, the heart of the club for so long. It does lead to a feeling that we are a bit different as a club, as a city, Liverpool is different it's you know the whole scouts not english thing and maybe we just have a little bit of a perfect storm here when it comes to looking for support from other clubs and other figures in football that's where i'm going with this do you think that's what comes out in the end well okay you want to be on your own you can be on your own you know i I wonder is that part of it yeah i I just always wonder trevor because it's I, i understand that the world has changed since i joined in 1984 uh, and there wasn't as many places where uh, fans and people could, could could let them know what their feelings were and, and what their thoughts were. Uh, but, but, but it's not what I experienced when I came in 1984. So this kind of victim finger pointed and always the victims. I, I don't I don't quite know when that started. Uh, you know when people thought, oh, you know that that that's people from Liverpool are not very good at accept, accepting responsibility or whatever it is you want to call it. So I don't know where that's, that's come from, isn't it? But yeah, there is something that exists in not just people from Merseyside, but also because I meet a lot of foreign people who support Liverpool and share those sort of feelings and that passion and, you know, and the passion for fairness you know whatever it is you want to call it isn't it so yeah but it's one of those things in it Trevor again you go to people go scousers are always victims and you go give me some proof well me mate in the pub or you know and, and that's that's how we end up there isn't it Trevor you know so I have a tendency when I hear something about somebody or whatever and if, if it's something I'm ever going to use and relevant I'll look into it and go why you know so I don't know where the victim bit comes from and I, and I guess there will be nobody that could sensibly explain to me when when the sort of you know scousers are always the victims started, isn't it? But it, it annoys you. I mean, I listened to a guy from one of the Liverpool podcasts who was on Sky News talking about you know, and he spoke very sensible. There was nothing victim about him, and there was nothing about you know it's us again, and we want to replay and all that. Again, he was talking about how we was to move on, isn't it? But he was also emphasising that. This is football, isn't it? This is a footballing issue, you know. Uh, why, why, why can't we just all get together? Is it really that tribal trouble we can't get together about something that eventually, not to that extent, but eventually we, we will all, you know. I mean, I saw Wolves. They put up something about the goal that they scored at Anfield that was disallowed. Sheffield United came up with when they got relegated and they scored that goal against Aston Villa was never given. And you think, well, if that's if 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 that's something that living with you three or four years later, why aren't you joining Liverpool in trying to put this right? You know, but everybody just goes there. It's like unbelievable, isn't it? It's, you know, it's like a real team sport, isn't it? Football is a real like get beat together, isn't it? And when things like this happens, we just all go off in our own direction, don't we? Go, oh, not to do with me. That's Liverpool, isn't it? And everybody just goes off in the huff. Fuck, oh, fucking scousers again, isn't it? You know, it's, it winds me up. It, do, it does me too. And, and I can't tell you the origin of that 
um, unfortunate stereotype either, but I can tell you and telling you nothing that you don't know already that it really, really, really doubled down in the wake of the appalling coverage after Hillsborough because that's when things started to really get stuck in and that's when the real nastiness across the UK in various places started to take real roots um, and you could hear the ugliness uh, come out um, through the usual suspects in the tabloids but also then what we have to understand Jan and if, if you, Jesus Christ if we've if, if we've learned nothing from the last couple of years uh, except that whatever it says in the papers on the telly most people believe um, at least we know that and most a lot, not most but a lot of people bought into that shit and um, you know the police officers were saying it. You know, the South Yorkshire boys were saying it. The the p- politicians were saying it. The, t- the Tory boys were saying it. So it must be true. And uh, sadly, that's where we're at. Look, let's pick apart some of the positives if we can from it. Because at the end of the day, I, I was so gutted by all of us. But the main thing was that our team, who, who have been so magnificent and were so magnificent of the day, were forced to leave with nothing by way of uh, point or, or three points on the board. If Diaz's goal stands, we go into half time two one up with ten men because that's how good we were on the day and how good this team has been and is building towards getting. Um, there are several other incidents. There's no point in pulling them apart. The Curtis thing, it is what it is. You can call it whatever way you like. I'm sorry, but for me, almost the worst one in the afternoon was 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 Mo Salah. Um, uh, doing brilliantly uh, and bearing down on goal uh, and not only having a foul given against him because he has the audacity to be stronger than the defender uh, but also then getting a the yellow card for um, being annoyed about it for the first time in maybe a hundred tackles. Um, it was just an absolute shit show from the boys in the middle of the park on the lines and in the and in the in the uh, VAR but what can we rescue from it man if we're looking at things to rescue from it I mean for me one of the best parts about it was that defensive solidity and the kind of nous that we showed just sensible clever football I didn't feel at any stage as the second half wore on with nine men I swear to god there was a moment yeah at the end at, uh, at one all where if you had said to me will you take a point I might have said no fuck it I won't take a point because even with nine men I backed these guys and then the shittiest thing in the world happens the most unlucky thing in the world happens what did you pull out of it to rescue something good from that horrible car crash I thought, I thought there was a lot of good things uh, you know obviously in a situation like that uh, certain players in, in key positions have to play well mm. uh, and I thought the goalkeeper uh, made a couple of really good saves again uh, you, you know incredible and and the whole of the back four yeah, we played obviously different than what we normally play uh, but you know this has been one of the criticisms labelled at us isn't it that we, we, we can't defend well they defended with their lives and uh, midfield very clever uh, the way that they shut down space uh, the mobility that they showed What's also very good is, and still, and this is probably the most impressive thing, Trevor, is that we still carry the threat. We still found the right way to play and carry a threat. I mean, I've been a manager when my team has gone down to 10 men. I haven't played in many games where we've gone down to 10 men. 
but very quickly when you go down to 10 men, you get a feel for what kind of game it's going to be. Mm. So like the next the next five or 10 minutes after, uh, Curtis Jones is uh, sending off, you get a feel and you go, yeah, okay, this is another Newcastle game. You know, we're, we're going to hang on in there and we're going to be a threat. Uh, so I'm comfortable with that. But when it goes to nine, you, know, you think also in the book, within two minutes of 11 against nine, you went, we've got this. We can do this, you know. So instead of thinking, I don't know, I'm going to get through the last 20 minutes because it's, it's going to be all... It, 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 it was one way, but they only were only allowed to play, but we, we allowed them to play. Mm. Play in front of us. You don't play through us. You don't get in behind us. You can play around us. Not a problem in it. So that in itself was very, very impressive because Spurs and Spurs' strength now is a bit like Manchester City a few years ago when they get through you to the byline, those cutbacks. You know, and that's a real strength of Spurs, isn't it? So we've gone, no, 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 none of that, isn't it? So as much as Spurs were going, and of course all the stats are in their favour, it can't be any other way, can it? 11 against 9, isn't it? But I think if you look at it and analyse and you go, wow, yeah. I'd take some, take some doing that, Trevor. Because don't forget, yeah, it wasn't forever on a day we played with 9 men, but we played with 9 men after having played for 50 minutes with 10, you know. So, impressive. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. You mentioned the defensive unit, and I wonder, um, it might be a good way to segue into our chat about last night's game, which was um, the 2-0 win over Union Sancho was in the um, second group game of the Europa League uh, at Anfield. And, a guy who we focused on last night for some specific praise uh, was Joe Gomez. Now, obviously, I think the big story defensively last night was Gerald Kwanzaa because, and maybe of the season, because he's been so calm and collected and, and, and impressive, uh, that kid, since he came into the first team. Uh, and he, it's, a, it's a real happy story. But it's hard to beat the Joe Gomez situation because... The fellas had such a terrible, terrible run of setbacks and absolutely horrific injuries, you know, knee, knee injuries, ankle injuries, um, potentially career ending, you know, ACLs and patella tendons and the two ankle injuries. But he's back and he looks, Jan, to me, and again, I would like you're taking it as, as someone who, who actually have a, a, a clue what he's talking about compared to me. He looks both strong, uh, composed, 
um, in terms of he'll just walk in field. He'll turn outside. He'll play a, a slide rule ball down the sideline. And also he has that ability, Jan, to hit a pass or a cross with pretty impressive accuracy. Now, this is all you could ask for in a guy who's stepping in to right back, who is perhaps perhaps now a more solid defensive bet currently than Trent is. Um, I've been really, really impressed with him. Yeah, he's done well. I think if you look back five years ago, Joe Gomez, you're looking at me, you're thinking, what lies ahead for this kid? Speculating the Liverpool first team is going to be in England international, yeah? Uh, so none of those two things has happened as of yet because of injuries. So when you talk about injuries that ruins careers, you know, had Joe Gomez been forced to leave Liverpool and go and play for somebody else, already those injuries would have had an impact on his career, wouldn't they? Because he's now playing at a lower level than what we expected. Uh, my biggest issue, we spoke last week, Trevor, and you talk about what back forward Klopp go with, and I thought he'd go with his A, a team, yeah? Mm. Trent back in bar, whatever. I was delighted when he didn't, and I was delighted how well they played, uh, because we've often spoken about Joe Gomez, and we go, right now, yeah, he's looking good. Two games, he's played well. What does he need? Well, he needs to continue to play. He doesn't need to continue to play Monday, or sorry, weekend Thursday, weekend Thursday, but he certainly needs to play like weekend, weekend, and keep him going. That's his strength, isn't it? So I was a bit worried about that, isn't it? But I look at it now and I'm thinking, does, does Klopp now think that he's number two? Um, you know, after Virgil as a centre-half, does he think he's maybe jumped ahead of, 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 of the others? Uh, possibly. But he has done well. He's... he's I, I, always, I always thought he would do well and then I thought he wouldn't because of injuries and lack of playing time or everything. So he's kind of back to the expectations I had of him. Uh, so now we need to do, Travis, keep our fingers crossed that the boy, after all that, Trevor, when I was his age, I don't think I'd missed a game through injury. You just play and enjoy yourself. So he's had all that back to front almost, isn't it? Because that's how you, your career ends. But he's had it at the start, isn't it? So just for him to have a season without an injury, Trevor, just a season without having an injury to see where it takes him in. So, yeah, he's been very impressive. Uh, it leads me to ask you about um, the continued rehabilitation of Trent. Um, we saw him wear the captain's armband last night. Obviously, Joe replaced him on the field in the win against the uh, Belgians last night. But uh, I, I personally wore so I thought he was great on the ball. A couple of beautiful passes. One pass in particular, I'm sure you were you were absolutely loving um, a ball over the top from Osala, which seemed to have been hit with the intention of it dipping quite dramatically. Like it had that it had that look about it. I remember trying that when I was a younger fella a few times, and it comes off one a hundred times if you're just an average footballer. But I I would back Trent to be able to do it, you know, to hit something with the intention of it dipping. And it just fell, I think, maybe a yard too far in front of Mo, or he was too a yard too shy of it because it bounced. And if it hadn't bounced, if Mo had gotten his, you know, sticky toes onto it, he's in. And he has that ability, Trent. Um, he's front and centre in the goal that uh, puts us in the lead last night in terms of cutting in and taking a pot shot. But I'll be honest, I think even... I, I, I was on my own saying this last night, Jan, but I think maybe just in terms of fitness or mobility or something, maybe uh, 
strength on the ball, something I thought he might be still a bit off. And I really would not be surprised to see Joe starting again against Brighton. What have you made of Trent's easing back in so far? So I'm, 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 I'm smiling, Trevor, because I spend an hour with Trent in the week. Uh, and I have to say, first and foremost, very impressive young man. Uh, this matters to him, yeah? You know, being a local boy in a Liverpool team, it matters to him. He's massively took responsibility for last season, you know, and he's ready to give it a go. And, you know, we talk about them passes and uh, it's, it's not something that will ever be made public in it. But the tours were just talking about, you know, those passes where you just put a bit extra on because you can, you know. I just, <laughs> yeah, you, you know what I'm saying, Trevor. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of other people can just play a basic pass, but you just give it a because I can, well, because I can do that. Because I, mean, I can. Kind of, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, but, you know, we just do that a little bit, isn't it? And it's like, it's not even for the, the Watson people, you know, it's for yourself, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's like, just go, yeah, well, I just did that because, you know, that's, that's what I'm capable of. So, so, yeah, but, yeah, possibly is that there's still a little bit of a, there's still a bit of room to go. Uh, so, in terms of Brighton away, yeah, Mitoma, uh is a real handful the the uh, Japanese left winger for them. So yeah, it would make it would absolutely make sense. And also, I still I still think we're we're, we're like we're not all in, are we, with the inverted fullbacks? The fullbacks are step. We're not all in with that, are we, Trevor? We're sort of still oh, we're very typical sort of Liverpool when new things happens, and we're still looking at it a bit and going. We might be a better just playing the way that we've always been playing, you know. So it would be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like it's like that, Trevor, isn't it? So, so it's a bit. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Joe played. I mean, that, that's interesting that you got uh, uh, you had that interaction with Trent, and you say that it matters to him. Um, he does come across as a very serious-minded fella, um, a, a, a fella who's you know. 100% taking this seriously. I'm sure it, the conversation came around to the occasional armband wearing and what that might have meant as well. And, you know, there's a lot of shit talk in England, if we're being honest, Jan, about the captaincy and what it means. And honestly, when you look at Liverpool as a team full of leaders, but it is a little cherry on top. It is a little feather in the cap. And the fact that he is a scouser like Stevie leading his local team uh, on occasion, it's a huge deal, I think, for the people as well as for himself. Does that weigh heavily on him, do you think? Yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, and, and I was surprised uh, because he, he does sometimes come across, and, and this, I would think this is a misconception, but he does sometimes come across as somebody who's just, you know, a little bit relaxed about things, isn't it? And then, and, and then it's, it's not too deep, isn't it? But I think it really, really, really matters to him. And he's, he's understood. And talking to him, getting the impression that there was a feeling within the camp that people were leaving uh, and they would be senior players. And without saying it, I thought he looked at that situation and went, I'm not going to allow them to overlook me. I'm not going to allow Klopp to overlook me. I don't expect to be captain but I'm not allowing Klopp to overlook me as one of the leaders. They have this leadership group, don't they? And I think Trent made a big thing last season, the way he came back pre-season, to make sure he sent the message to Klopp, listen, 
don't overlook me for this now. I'm ready. I'm no longer the kid that came to the academy. I'm now a senior player. Bring it to me. You know what I mean? And it, 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 and you make up with what you want, Trevor, being a captain, being a vice captain, or whatever it is. All I'm saying, it matters to Trent. That's all I'm saying. You know, uh, I've never gone through that experience and I've never had an urgency to want to be captain. Uh, I've never given it a second thought. I saw it, isn't it? Uh, but as I said before, it matters to Trent and I applaud him, but I was really surprised at, you know, how he views it all, isn't it? And how, how serious he is and how he understands what it takes, isn't it? You know what I mean? So now, very impressive. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes, and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Well, you and I didn't get to do any shows together um, when Stevie Jarrod was in his pomp and wearing the armband. But I had started doing my sort of first bits and pieces maybe 12 years ago and getting into doing some articles and then podcasting started about 10 years ago and I remember it was a kind of vaguely controversial opinion that I used to have at the time and I could never understand why because for me it was patently obvious that the captaincy really was a burden for Stevie that on certain days Stevie goes out if he's in the right mindset Liverpool are going to fly if he's not if it's weighing on him then the team responded in kind. Uh, now, that might be more about the level of player that was around Stevie at the time by comparison with his own talent, but it was also the fact that he was captain. Um, and I think it was, he always looked like him stressed out and angsty and nervous and just, you know, he, 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 he I think he carried it heavily. I think he carried it well, don't get me wrong, but I think it was a heavy burden for him. Um I got the impression with Trent from the few bits and pieces that I've picked up from interviews that he was also quite a serious minded chap when it comes down to it. And I wondered would that also, is that his personality or do, do you get the impression that he's more of a guy who, like you say, is putting his hand up and saying, Hey, this is for me. I want this. And it might actually be a kind of thing that would be a spur for him rather than a, a burden. I think there's less need for the captain of the current team to be Superman. Yeah, true. Gerard, Gerard had to be Superman, didn't he? So when you look at Gerard and his time, so you go, who's going to be the captain? Stephen Gerard. Who's going to take penalties? 
Steven Gerrard. Free kicks? Yeah, Gerrard, yeah. Uh, when we're in the shape of who pulls out the shit? Gerrard. Isn't it? So it's like, you know, it's a bit like Bruno Fernandes at Manchester United at the moment is the captain, yeah? And he has never played worse than he's playing. You know, and that's that's another thing, you know, because also at Manchester United, he takes free kicks and he takes the penalties and whatever. I'd put, put everything on top of that. Isn't it? And he's took on another responsibility of being captain and not knowing and not being able to to use that as a positive. It's an, Bruno Fernandes being captain of Manchester United is a negative on every front. You know, I'm not saying it was with Gerrard and Liverpool, but I could, I could see why some people would go, it, 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 it weighs him down, doesn't it? You know, and I think that's something we've said about Gerrard in certain games. You go, he's just weighed down by all that responsibility, you know, responsibility of having to be the best player, having, having to score the goals, you know. So this current group of players won't have that because Trent will know that he can rely on other people like Virgil when now he's the captain, is he? And Virgil generally will have to organise the back four and play well. A bit like my captain, Alan Hansen, when he became the captain, isn't it? Organise the back four and play well and then just do the little bits and bobs. There was no need to do anything else, isn't it? So, yeah. But it's, 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 it's always interesting, is I mean, they've always made a big thing out of captains in the UK. You know, uh, I never got the same feeling when I was in Denmark or in the Netherlands that it was as big as it was. But it's massive, and I've spoke to them, Tommy Smith and Phil Thompson and Emily Hughes, and what it's meant over the years, and uh, the heartache that oh, the heartache that it's caused them. You know, uh, and also the feelings that they have towards, you know people who maybe got the armband after them or whatever. It's, it's, it's quite serious, Trevor, you know. It's not, it's it's not, yeah, it's, it's remarkable. It is quite serious. I suppose if, it, it, as he looks around, if there was anyone he could say, ah, fucking fine, that you're going to give the captaincy to, if you can't just nod and go, well, Virgil van Dijk should probably get everything <laughs> that's fine you know I think nobody there's not going to be a professional footballer that's going to do you know feel that they need to measure up past Virgil and it looks like he's just going to inherit it then and I think that's the way for it to go um, we're getting to that kind of dangerous time where we need to get into the second part uh, which is looking forward to the game of the weekend obviously we had that pretty routine and if we're being perfectly honest incredibly boring second half uh, win over Union last night uh, we had a great chat about it afterwards which focused mostly on Union to be honest with you um, and they had a great set of fans who just supported their team yeah and imagine that just sang songs about their team and supported their team um, they were I think very dignified in the way they behaved around the city again much appreciated I was looking at their Twitter timeline all the way up during the week they were so giddy and excited as a club to be coming to Liverpool I think they gave a decent account of themselves probably our little cherry on the top from Jada at the end might have been a little uh, possibly 
possibly a little bit excessive because we had been a little bit poor in the second half. But overall, so many chances created by the Reds. I think it was 16 attempts or something like that, eight or nine on target. So I think a 2-0 win's about right. And it was there was a massive gulf in class. Now, fast forward a few days and we're looking ahead to the weekend and we're looking at Brighton. And we're looking at going to Brighton, where we lost twice last year, once in the league and then in the FA Cup as well. And it's a, a completely different ball game. And just for, again, people, some people uh, like to know what's going on in terms of the the, the, the the tables and all the rest of it. Currently, obviously, Liverpool annoyingly sat in fourth place on 16 points when we should be top of the league on 19 points but less said about that the better Uh, at least it's tight and we're right in there and Brighton are only a point behind and that's what people need to remember that for all the fantastic uh, pride that we feel in what Liverpool have done this season and all the promise that this team is showing Brighton are simply one point behind us with the same amount of games played and this is a kind of this will be quite a big swing game as a result and again for the benefit of folks who are looking to know how Brighton are doing recently um, kind of important to give uh, people that uh, basic uh, uh, information Um, obviously last night I think they had a 2-2 draw with Marseille in the Europa Um, but last time out not so good a 6-1 drubbing from Aston Villa that was at Aston Villa but it shouldn't make that much difference they also had the EFL exit against Chelsea Um, they did manage a 3-1 win over Bournemouth back on the 24th of September and then a 3-1 win over Man United on the 16th of September and another 3-1 win over Newcastle on the 2nd of September. And we'll just stop it there because those last few results, regardless of what you think are impressive, the Newcastle win in particular is a good one um, and two other good solid wins. But then that reversal that they suffered against Aston Villa is... I'd imagine a massive worry for them just for, again, to set it up before we get started into our wee chat here. The way they went against Villa was with Evan Ferguson up front and Danny Welbeck behind Matoma, who you mentioned already, and Solly March on the flanks. They had Billy Gilmore and a guy called Hinchelwood um, kind of in the more withdrawn positions in midfield. Estupian, Veltman, Webster and Dunk was their uh, defence with steel and goal. And they can take from the bench, Jan, the likes of Tarek Lamptey, who came on in uh, the most recent outing there against Marseille. I saw him. Joe Pedro. They've got um, Fatty who I think they took from Barcelona, unless I'm mistaken. Bart Verbruggen, who I know we were being linked with as a solid um, substitute goalkeepers on there as well. They've got that Dahoud kid again. Liverpool were linked with him at one stage. And some other people like Van Henke and Adingra, who I'm not familiar with. Uh, and they brought on Baleba as well. Um, it looks like a solid squad. And whether I've heard of them or not, I'm going to go ahead and make a very big guess that Birmingham's recruitment being what it is, they're all going to be good. They got they buy good players. It is what they do, uh, and then they flip them on. Matoma, I'm imagining, will be the next big sale, if not Ferguson. Um, 
they are to be feared, Jan, for sure, in terms of what they can offer. But then again, there should be some serious bounce back from our lot. Let's take, first of all, Brighton and get that sort of put to bed. What do you see as their strengths and potentially exploitable weaknesses? Well, obviously, uh, their strength is the way that they play, how comfortable they are in the way that they want to play. It can be very difficult to be 100% sure on how they're going to play Brighton. All you know is that they're going to cause you problems, yeah? And that and that can be in various different uh, ways. That can be through the wide men, Machoma on the one side, Mars, or they can set a lot of their play up centrally and go through Ferguson uh, or Xiao Pedro that they bought from Watford. Uh, so, without any shadow of doubt, most important, Impressive performance of the season was when they beat Newcastle uh, at home, 3-1. They were mightily impressive. First two games of the season, they beat Luton 4-1, they beat Wolves 4-1 away. But I thought they gave up chances. I think this Brighton team gives up chances. That's hence the reason. You look at the 6-1 against Villa, they lost 3-1 at home against uh, against West Ham. And towards the back end of last season, they lost 5-1 at home against Everton. They give up chances, and I think they'll find it difficult to deal with us when we turn over the ball. I think I think we'll have too much, and I think they'll give up chances. And then you know what it's like, Trevor. They give up chances. How many are going to take? Uh, but they are good. They are impressive, but they are missing it. Uh, Estupinian, the left-back, he's out injured now. So Lamptey will probably come in there. You didn't man- man- mention Pascal Gross because he was out, but he will be back. They've got, like, play- dunk plays... Gross plays, Mitoma plays, and Solly Marks. They are basically the four players who play every game. They're like the backbone of their team. And then they fill in with young players and, and, and whatever else is. And so I expect Villa Brighton was a very even game, Trevor, apart from the scoreline. You know, the things that matter. Brighton created, didn't take him. Villa created and took him. I expect a very tight game on Sunday, but I expect us to take our chances. You know, so you mentioned the two games we had last year away from home where we lost in both. We also had massive problems at Anfield when we do 3-3 with them. They've always managed to sort of play their way through our, our, our presses and then come to uh, chances. So I expect, I fully expect a tight game, but I expect us to be better at taking our chances than what they are. Now, to that end, how do you see us going? Because we have a very intriguing situation now. Obviously, Curtis Jones uh, is now ruled out for three games um, for that thing that happened. Um, And so we have a situation. I was very heartened by some of the showings that I've seen lately by Wataru Endo. And I wonder if he's played himself into a situation where now he might be playing in that more reserved role with actually McAllister and Sabozlai playing in their more preferred eight roles. Is Klopp there yet, do you think? Is it more likely that it's Gravenberg who's played his way into the team now with Max staying in that more uh, six position and Dom and Gravenberg ahead? Has Harvey Elliott done enough to retain his position? That's one question for you. I'm going to ask you how you'd like to go and how you think Klopp will go based on evidence. And we can only go by substitution, stuff like that. Who knows? 
And then, of course, you have the intriguing issue of the attack because you've got uh, Diogo Jota, who uh, is the most interesting man in the world because he can play like absolute dog shite for the entire game and score a goal. And he will do it on a regular basis and therefore is kind of worth his place even for that. Um, you've got Darwin, who had an absolute mare in terms of a sit or miss last night but does seem to have his confidence up and I'd love to see what he might do running in behind obviously you've got Salah you've got Diaz are they automatic starters now talk to me around how you see that front six because we've already kind of talked around the defence and it's going to be one off Joe or Trent and I think the other ones will pick themselves although perhaps is it Joel or is it Ibu so a few bits on the table there how do you see us going so for starters, I assume we're going to be without Shutter because he's suspended yeah, uh, after course, he's two yellows. So, yeah, yeah. so the front three give themselves. Uh, our last game, Thursday night, who looked the better as a number six? Endo or McAllister? Well, you have to say Endo mm. looked the better as a number six. And I also think, well, why wouldn't Endo be a better number six? Because that's his role, isn't it? And whereas McAllister is more of eight, isn't it? So, yeah. I don't think it's it's, it's Gravenberg that's that's going to play him into a midfield with with Shabotsai and McAllister. I, I just can't see that. And also with the fact that because of the way that Brighton play, we know a lot of players going to come through in there. You know, through those central positions, there's going to be a lot of players. So yeah, I think Ender will I think Ender will get a start uh, alongside the other two. So it'll be a brand new uh, ball in the summer midfield three. Uh, and obviously up, up front, give themselves. Was that a was that a Ronnie Rosenthal moment for Darwin Nunez when he missed that goal? It was almost the same one. And the, the only reason I mentioned Ronnie Rosenthal because I saw him last week uh, down at the Spurs game. And I haven't seen I haven't seen Ronnie since for 29 years since he left Liverpool in 1994. Uh, wow. And there he was. Yeah, there he was. And you know when somebody walks past you, and you go, I know him. And I had to sort of. And then I went, bloody hell, it's Ronnie. And as soon as I see was Ronnie, I, I could see in his face, but. You know, he's got no hair left and whatever, but there he was. Yeah. So that's the only reason I mentioned the, uh, the Ronnie Rosenthal moment. And we obviously all know what that is. Aston Villa away, winning 1-0. Ronnie Rosenthal, round the goalkeeper, open goal, lost fortune. Anyway. <laughs> and he'll never be allowed to forget it. I hope never, remind- neither should he. Neither, neither should he. <laughs> at, the t- at the time, it was cruel, wasn't it? At the time. But it now, was. you know, it's like, what do you think the first thing we say when we see Ronnie? You know? It's the first thing we mentioned, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, so, so that just actually leaves that one question. Do you think, is it Joel Matip? Because, let's be honest, he performed a lot of heroics in that last game, and he has been pretty good. Um, and people are writing them off, writing them off at their peril. He did have that confidence killer of that moment, but you think Joel's a mature enough guy that he'd, he'd want to get back out and play well again. And Kloppo seems to be preferring them to at the moment, although I'm not sure whether it's a rhythm thing or what the hell. You would have thought Ibu Kanate is possibly our best defender all in, including even Virgil at the moment, if Virgil's not his very best. Um, but, you know, what do I know? Where, how do you see that selection going? I see the same back four as we had at uh, Spurs. Really? I think, yeah, yeah. I think he'll go with the same four. Uh, you know, and again, it's 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 it's, it's speculations of what Brighton brings, isn't it? And how how they're going to play and what kind of qualities are you going to need for me defenders? So, yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think Klopp is 
I mean, when we were at our best, we more or less had a very settled 11, didn't we? But I think Klopp has understood with, with the amount of games and whatever, and he's quite happy from change to change. But I think at the moment he's looking and he's thinking, do you know what? I've got a lot of people in good form. I've got a lot of options in, in, in positions ever anyway. But I, I think he's delighted. So I think he goes with the same back four as we had at Spurs. Now, you seem to have intimated that you reckon if we do what we do to the best of our ability, we should have enough to get through. How do you see the game going result-wise? Well, Trevor, before I came on the show and I gave it a bit of thought, I thought we'd beat them 4-2. I've changed my mind now. I think we'll beat them 4-1. Uh, wow. I just I just can't... Yeah, I think we'll beat them 4-1. Simply because they'll give us opportunities. And when you talk about opportunities, it's not always about that clear-cut chance. It's opportunities to create that clear-cut chance. In. And I just think that if McAllister's further form, Shabot's line, they're going to get so many opportunities where you go, go on, son. I just need that last pass, isn't it? And we're in. So I think for that reason, tight game. Sounds funny, tight game, 4-1, doesn't it? But I expect a, a sort of a tight game there. They're going to have a lot of the balls in them. But I just think we'll, we'll just have two months and we'll run away from them. I hope that is the case and um, I'll wrap it up there because it's not as if we haven't uh, covered the the usual huge amount there, Jan. I really appreciate it as always. Uh, So for another show, thanks very much. No problems at all, Trevor. Let's hope we can enjoy the weekend. Yes, it would be nice, wouldn't it? It would be nice to enjoy the weekend and the early days of the week without having that sinking feeling every time you think of the match. So let's hope that the Reds do have an uplifting result, as Jan seems to feel they may against Brighton. Uh, look forward to it very much. And of course, Jan and I will be back to you next week to talk about that specific game and whatever else is coming up for the Reds in the meantime. So until then, we will, of course, have the international break. So we may take a week off, but we'll be back to talk to you about Brighton and then probably take our time off so uh, until then from Jan Malby from myself Trev Denny this is Malby on the spot for Anfield Index Pro we'll see you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.